Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is February 8th, 2024. Thanks for being with us today, and I hope you're having a good day so far. It's 9 in the morning here in the great state of Maine, and we're going to be heading down to... uh, to uh, near near, I think to nearby. That's where the cell phone is, anyway. To near Atlanta, Georgia, to talk to Will Redding, and Will is the managing director of a company called Procare Therapy, which provides staffing services in specialized areas for schools pre-K twelve. And Will has some great information on which states have the highest needs these days and other such facts. He's got some great statistics and he's going to give us his insights on what's going on in this area, which is a challenge for every school district in pre-K-12. Let me clear my throat and I will be right back. (coughs) Pardon me for coughing in your ear. I tried to make it a little bit less so. All right. Um, Before I bring Will on, I just want you to know we're going to archive this show over at our home website, which is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity and Education. That's over at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org. Everything we do over there is free for all of you. Check out our magazine, our online journal, which is called Equity and Access, Pre-K-12. You'll enjoy it. All of our podcasts are over there. You can just click on whatever interests you and listen away, plus a ton of other information particularly about our equity awards in pre-K-12. And you might want to uh, think about nominating even yourself, your colleagues, your school, people you work with, uh, vendors, et cetera, et cetera. So please check it all out. It's over ace-ed.org. And without further ado, let me bring on the one and only Will Redding. And here he is. Hi, Will. It's Larry here. Hey, Larry. How you doing? I'm fine. Well, was I right? Are you down in Georgia? That's correct, yeah. So we're here at Atlanta, Georgia uh, office. We actually look out and see the Braves Stadium right behind us. So very cool spot here. So you're in Milwaukee or Boston. Get it? You're uh. too young. You're too young. <laughs> no, definitely not. I am actually uh, grew up a huge Cubs fan, but, hey, being oh, all the way up there go. in Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah being up there in Maine, I hope the, hope the weather's good for you. We, we'll, we'll almost hit 60 degrees today. Yeah, actually, we hit 40 yesterday, which is extremely warm for us. Yeah, and the, of course, we are we are snow-covered. Yeah, no, I live I'm in southern Maine, but of course, we are snow-covered. But, uh, you know, the streets aren't or anything like that, just the lawns and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it was amazing to have 40-degree weather yesterday, i got to tell you. Are you from Chicago? No, so family is from basically all around the Indianapolis area, uh, southern oh. Indianapolis, as well as a little bit on the northern side. My dad, um, I think going out through high school, he had to deal with his, his I think it's like sixth period teacher in social studies that if he got his work done, he could jet out early, jump on the train and get to a day game at Wrigley. So wow. that's just how he was brought up. But yeah, I, I love, love going impressed. there. I am impressed. I lived in Chicago for many, many years, and I am impressed with that. Okay, I used to, I used to live <laughs> close enough to the stadium to Wrigley. That when these were all day games, of course, that uh, oh, yeah. I, at, at like one o'clock, I could decide, yeah, I'm going to go to the game, and I would get on the su- the L, the subway, yep. and, and, and get five steps down, and I was right there at Wrigley, and it was a great way to see ball games. But no, I don't 100%, do it that much nothing better. Anymore. Oh it's yeah, good stuff. And and well, you're stuck with Atlanta now. That's okay. <laughs> That's good. How the Falcons? No, I'm just kidding. You forget it. Yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> not, not great. 
Yeah, it wasn't a good Super Bowl for you guys. We played years ago, whatever it was. Okay, do you remember that? No, I do, yeah. So, uh, yeah. not actually not a Falcons guy either. I'm a Colts guy. All <laughs> so. right. There you go. Yeah, Indianapolis. That makes sense. Okay, very yeah, good. We're getting sure. here, okay? This is good stuff, Will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about education. The changes For sure. Sports. Yeah, all day. All right. Uh, let me, I've I got to ask, okay, I don't want to start here. Will, you're managing director of pro-care therapy. All right. So basically, you're the boss. Let's put it that way. Okay. And <laughs> tell us about whatever your title is. You're the boss. Okay. So tell us about the company. Okay. And brag a little, do whatever you want to do, who you, how you work, all that sort of stuff. And then we'll get into all these details. But yeah, so, brag away, my yeah, friend. Yeah. yeah, of course. So We're talking to therapy. a lot of educators. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, Procure therapy. So, yeah, we we help find um, educators uh, within both general education and special education, and help staff school districts Good. across the nation. Uh, to be honest, when I first came in this field, I had no idea it even existed. But one of the coolest things is uh, when I started interviewing and I got into this field, I realized like, hey, this is yes, like this is a sales company, but we're not pushing That's a product here. Like we we get to help. Find, like we get to connect and build relationships with schools and with these educators and help them find positions and careers that they want to be in. And it's, it's one of the coolest feelings to know that, yes, we're a sales company, but our impact goes much farther than that. We're not, it's not a product. It's we're, our, our product is people. And um, it's one of the coolest fields to be in. It's super, it's just, it's one, it's awesome to see that yeah. we can have an impact on not only a person finding a new job, but then that affects thousands of students across the United States That's that right. are able to now get serviced um, by those individuals. And, you know, starting out, uh, I want to say five, six years ago, Procure Therapy had around 40 different account executives, and um, now we're pushing 300. Um, our parent company, Saliant, um, they were, oh. I think we had around 400, 500 individuals, and now we're pushing 15, 1,500 um, but the markets, it's begging us to grow this, this national teaching shortage that we're going to get into. It's a big deal. And we're here to try and help alleviate as much as we possibly can and just be another player that helps find these educators to put in the schools, the schools. Uh, well, it, it, it is so darn important. I know you heard me say we're, we're actually the American, although education talk radio is our voice. That's where we are now. We're the American consortium for equity in education and yeah. all the work that, that you do. All right, is extremely important in terms of equity. All right, and if you go, for example, I'll go in my state, Northern Maine. Okay, is pretty sparse people-wise. They're good people, but it's very sparse. It's hard to find mm-hmm. professionals in all the fields you need. And those kids, okay, need good teachers, need good speech language therapists, need good counselors, etc. Right down the list. Okay, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's extremely hard to find them. Okay, and especially hard to find them in, in, if I may, rural areas, but it's hard everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that with you. And it really boils down to an equity thing. Okay, and that's what I love. And I, there, I work with other staffing companies as well. Yours is excellent, and we're going to hear more about it. Okay, but the fact is the staffing companies are doing a very important job. They're providing equity to people who didn't need it. And for years, they could not find the right people. There are little towns in North Dakota and every state of the country that need people. And that's why I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. And as I talk to people in the staffing industry, they all say the same thing, Will. How glad they are to be in the industry and really helping kids. 
It's mm-hmm. that important. And helping the school districts, I might add, obviously helping the teachers as well, because when you get the right staffing in there, especially support staff, okay, it makes it a lot easier on the teachers, et cetera. So this stuff, how long have you been doing this, Will? You- so I'm going on, it'll be six years in June this summer. Cool. Congratulations. That's just great. Okay. And how long has ProCare Therapy been around as part of Salian? So I want to say ProCare Therapy was actually acquired through Salian in the early uh, mid-2000s. Um, Salian's been around since 1992, but ProCare came on a little bit after that. And it's funny how that story went. I think they uh, ProCare Therapy kind of came in uh, with whenever they acquired them. We were going after uh, a company called Bilingual Therapies, and that was like the crown huh. jewel of it. ProCare Therapy was thrown in. As like, oh, hey, they specialize in, you know, SLPs, <laughs> OTs, and PTs, and things of that nature. And then here we are now thing. where ProCare Therapy ended up uh, being the crown jewel of, the, yeah, of what of we required. So it's, it's, it's cool to see how that transpired back then. Well, that, that is, that, that's just a good little story right there. I really, I, I really like that. Okay. So you guys have information, Will, <clears throat> and I yeah. know this. On, on the states, and these are, these are interesting statistics because I was using Maine, North Dakota, or, and I may be right, I don't know. But, you know, I, I always feel you can go anywhere. In other places, Hawaii, the most beautiful place in the universe. Oh, yeah. Okay, and they can't find people. So talk mm-hmm. about, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable just the living over there, so you have to talk about this. Okay, states with the highest rates, and you can do this any way you want. We can talk teacher shortage, support staff, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, based on we uh, we had some numbers around the top ten teacher shortage states, and this basically pulls like enrolled student enrolled students per one employed teacher, so it gives like a ratio of what that yeah. might look like. Um, so here, like the top ten, we had Nevada, Utah, California, Michigan, Arizona, Idaho, Florida, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. And if you actually look into those, kind of what you said in Maine, but a lot of these. Like a lot of these states, give, give California, for example. When people think of California, they think of the bigger cities within California. What people don't think about is the amount of like rural areas that California has that they still do. have school districts, that still have people that live out there, that have students that need to get service. Yet it's so hard geographically to maybe find that school professional to, to get a job out there. Um, and something that we can help with that is we help with relocating people. We help with travel positions. We really? get people right out of school and say, like, hey, do you want to go here and be an impactful um, person to help this school district that we can't find services for? So within a lot of these states, we could go over, like, yes, does a geographic footprint have a, have a, a, a big reason why um, they probably are where they are? A hundred percent. But there are other factors that come in uh, to play here through ah, budget cuts, teacher cuts, high turnover within your first years of teaching, um, all kinds of stuff. And we all know a teacher shortage that we're facing also breeds an even further teacher shortage. And what I mean by that is the teachers that are left behind, that are still in there, are dealing with higher caseloads, are dealing with higher just workloads in general, which throughout their day, for the most part, it's going to provide more time to for direct therapies or direct uh, duties. Therefore, like when they're in the classroom, all their time is spent obviously giving everything they possibly can to their students. Their job doesn't stop there. They then have to go home and go over report writing. They have to communicate with 
every uh, their colleagues, teachers, SOPs, OTs, psychs, anybody that's on the current IEP for the student, they have to communicate with parents. They have to set up lesson planning. They have to grade. There's so much that is even done outside the classroom. And all of this kind of throw into one is a big reason why we're seeing the shortage that we're seeing. And with ProCare, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I don't know why my throat's like this this morning. Um, I live in Maine. That's why. Okay. But it's <laughs> winter. That's why. Okay. But no, seriously, are you, when, when ProCare goes in, uh, and uh, particularly your division, and I don't know how it's all set up, but are you looking for, because you keep using the word teachers, and I keep using the word support staff. And I went over to a ProCare's uh, website today, and the jobs I, I, I see here on this purple board are, are kind of support staff, and I see one that says general education. So when, when ProCare works, are they particularly looking for general ed teachers, whatever they may be, just a teacher, okay, not just a teacher, but a teacher, or are they looking for the support staff, the science? Language interpreters, a physical therapist, the school social worker—you can go right down a whole list here. Okay, how's it? How's what's what? Where's your sweet spot if there is one? So when we first started, our sweet spot was um, the reason we have therapy on our name. It was our therapist. So it was our uh, speech language pathologist. It was our um, uh, physical therapist. It was our yeah, sure. occupational therapist. That was kind of how we got into the space. But where I after we got in the space, we realized like there's so much, obviously so much more in school that we could help through general education staffing, whether that be through special education staffing, support staff through interpreters, uh, teachers of the visually impaired, school psychologists, or even now where we're seeing such a large growth in need of uh, paraprofessionals or one-on-one -on -one nurses to be paired within students to help them get through, yes. you know, wow. different classes throughout the day um, yep. due to you know, different behavioral movements throughout yep. um, where we're seeing a lot in students nowadays. So it's, it's, it's grown over time. It didn't originally start out that way, but we are here to help a school district find a professional, an educator in any way that we possibly can. Yeah, by the way, everybody, I have, I, if you're listening, you can see I have it linked here. If you want to check out the website, etc. really interesting. Will, I want you to do me a favor. Go over that list of where the need is greatest, the states where the need is greatest, okay? And, and how recent yeah. is that? And go over it a little bit slower so people can hear that. I thought it was a kind of interesting, but I couldn't get it all down when you said it the first time. Just go over it a little slower, please. Yeah, I know, of course. So um, the uh, top ten uh, states with uh, teacher shortages. So we have Nevada. That has a ratio of it looks like 24 students per one employed teacher. Um, and then we got Utah. Uh, we have uh, – that's 22 students per um, one employed teacher. California, same. Uh, one to, that's actually 1 to 21. Michigan, 1 to 21. We got Arizona at 1 to 21. Idaho at 1 to 20. Florida at 1 to 20. Washington, 1 to 19. Is, is, Oregon, really, 1 to 19. Stop right there. When you say that, are you saying there's one general ed teacher for every 22 students? Is that what that means as an example? Yes, 100%. Okay. Now, I have to ask a funny question. Is that bad or good? So it really depends on the the – like it depends on the classroom. There's so much variety in there. So – Obviously, if, if it's a 1 to a 20 and it's strictly a general education classroom, 
um, that might not have different students that need a little bit more support. It's probably not not as hard, I guess, for the teacher through classroom management. But at the same time, if you have different uh, students in there that might need a little bit more support and you're the only teacher there and you don't have a co-teacher, you don't have a paraprofessional, you don't have uh, so more I, support I, I to see help that. you, it's going to be tough. Yeah, so yeah, it really I, I just see depends that. on the environment that yeah. you're in. So as you go down this list, okay, and I'm, I'm just curious about this, are, are, does it get – does it ever get to a point like where it's one teacher for 30 or one teacher for 40 or anything like that? I, in some places, yeah, I would imagine so. It, it's, this is more just averages. So obviously if in Nevada, if it's 24, there's going to be numbers that's bringing that number up and there's going to be numbers that's bringing that down to the average that we are putting, uh, that we're seeing here. But yes, now there are states that have regulations out there that like, hey, like a caseload can't exceed this number, which obviously right. we put into place to help. But um, no, these, I mean, my wife, my wife's a teacher. She's an elementary oh, education teacher, nice. been a teacher for, um, this, she's in her sixth year. And wow. uh, nice. her Thank caseload. Her. That's her, good. Thank her. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. What I see that she does, it's insane. Oh. What a oh teacher, everything yeah. that they have to, yeah. they have to do to prepare, but man, they have an extreme passion for it. And they're, um, you get, you got to, to be able to help these students and not the workload that's sure. put on you. But their their room their the the amount of students they have it fluctuates throughout the year um but i mean she's had years where she's had 18 she's had years where she's had 28 so it just all depends yeah. on um how many students they have coming in or leaving or uh, what the grade level under you looks like and all kinds of stuff you know i'll tell you a funny story you can tell your wife this and, and anybody listening i've said it a couple of times before okay when i was a kid in elementary school in 19 in the 1950s all right. My teacher decided each of us would would play when she was teaching U.S. geography. You're going to love this. We we and we were a state. I mean, I was the state of Louisiana, as an example. And she would make up human maps. You know, we'd stand next to each other. We were a bordering state, that kind of a thing. And uh, I remember and when I was a kid, this is just before Alaska and Hawaii. I'm sharing my age here. OK, became states. All right. So there were 48 states, 48 flags, stars on the flag. All right. There were so many kids in the class that my teacher, this is in Philadelphia public schools. My teacher had to assign one kid Alaska and one kid Hawaii because oh she gosh. had, tell your wife this, 50, she had, I never realized that until I was older, 50 kids in the class. That kids. is that is just insane to me. Okay. Kudos to is your teacher nuts? for. Is, is that nuts? That, yeah, you know? I think that's very high, um, especially yeah. when your teacher is having to oh, engage with all the students in the singular <laughs> classroom. When, like, say an no, SLP. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, okay. There was yeah. there was no such thing as in those days speech language pathology schools. Yeah, psychology. yeah. Spe- special ed hadn't been invented yet. Okay, there wasn't an occupational therapist or a physical mm-hmm. therapist within the next 45 miles of my school. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And there were certainly no kids with were visually or hard of hearing impaired. And yeah, that was all wrong. Everything about when I was in elementary school was wrong. Okay. But that's the way it was. You know, and I always think, think of that as we talk about shortages today and the needs we have today. Okay. I go back and think about that. Man, how did we all ever learn? How did they all ever teach? Who the hell knows way back when? Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and this is Philadelphia public schools. I'm not talking about a one-room schoolhouse in 1843. Oh, no, okay? definitely not. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little younger. 
Okay, but it's it's just so funny, and you know the needs today have changed so much. And if we don't get these needs together and get the right teachers in there, okay, which brings me up is another question about ProCare. Are you guys looking for to literally place a teacher physically there, or do you work a lot with teletherapy that type of stuff as you work with all the therapists, etc. You know, and the specialized teachers. How's that work? Yeah. N- no, so uh, yeah. we do both. Um, we have a teletherapy platform um, that we started, uh, I want to say it was back in like 2015. Um, just as we were trying to lean into the future, be innovative with our uh, teletherapy, teletherapy platform on so how caseloads are managed from a work-from-home model because that is, that's going to attract more teachers to stay within the education field and still be able to provide uh, services to students all across the United States. Now, we understand um, there are some, you know, tough aspects uh, depending on the caseload. If it's, if it's you know, pre-K students, it's tough to maybe keep them engaged on, on a screen or keep them. You're going to need more support oh, staff yeah. on site to be able to help with that. But we've seen oh, it work in so 100%. many different areas um, through that teletherapy platform. But we're also here to provide someone on site as well. So we do both. We're here to help in any way we possibly can uh, to give these students the services that they need that they deserve. And just, I just want to ask you, I'm going to just pick California. Okay. California yeah, is a beautiful state. Okay. They had lousy weather this week, but 99% <laughs> of the time it's a beautiful state. Okay. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, and, and it's huge and they have real rural areas, especially up North out, out in the, in the Eastern California, et cetera. They need people. How are we doing? And how do you guys do in terms of um, finding finding people, uh, educators of all sorts and varieties to work in those rural areas and literally move there. How are we doing on that? That's, that's so, very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would say ProCare Therapy. I mean, California, I think, is our number one state. I think that's where we do our best in. Now, at the same time, that's just with the amount of school districts that we work with, the amount of um, sure. canis that we have placed there. But it's a huge area. I think there's a stat out there that uh, we might service uh, – you know, 10,000 different uh, candidates out there uh, currently on assignment. But in reality, it's like we're only able to service like that's like almost less than 2% of the school districts <laughs> even out there. So right. though right. it's huge for us and we find a lot of success in um, finding individuals to go work out there, California is it's a monster. It's huge. So, but that's what that that just shows us that we need to we need to go even deeper. We need to specialize even more. Like we are one of our biggest priorities going into 2024 is how can we um, cast a wider net on our geographical uh, footprint? How can we find more AEs contact certain areas that might not be contacted as much? How can we help these rural districts more? How can we pull from these bigger cities to make sure that they're not dominating them? the education market. How can we get that person out to the rural area? Um, we've found a lot of success in that. We've also found a lot of challenges in that. Oh, it's yeah, tough to, sure. to talk to someone and be like, hey, uh, you know, can you move outside of San Francisco? Can you get out to more of a rural area? Can you, can you move to, you know, I don't know, can you go from Sacramento to out to northern or Wheatland, California? Is that, can yeah, you go to Sisquo? Yeah. Can you go to northern California? There's different areas that have a high need that that helps in the teletherapy world where we can push those services to help, you know, find individuals that might be in these populated areas still give the services. But at the same time, we're doing our best to relocate them, provide different reimbursements to get them out there um, where we can be a service to. It's so complicated these days. And, and, 
and, and so much stuff. What do you find? This is an interesting question. What do you find draws a teacher these days? And this is interesting, post-pandemic. I'm just going to use this as an example to a rural area. Okay, and I have to, and I have to say a rural area, if I may, I'm not sure of this. Usually, I can only speak for here. Usually, has slightly lower salaries. Okay, the tax bases are usually a little bit less. That's the reason for that. Okay, which yeah, isn't right, sure. but that's the way it is. So, yeah. well, how do you draw somebody out there to a rural area? And I love this because I live in kind of a, although I'm 45 minutes from Portland, where I live is fairly rural. It's interesting. Yeah, so I remember uh, when we when we bring in different account executives to train, and we're talking about uh, going over like salaries or hourly rates. Usually, people are so scared to talk about money because half the time, when <laughs> jumping on a call with somebody, they're like, "Oh, the reason they're leaving their job is because of money." When ninety percent of yeah. the time, it's not that. It's it's very much the support that they have around them, the atmosphere that they're in, the, the people that they work with, the caseload size, the workload, the voice that needs to be heard, like all of those play a role. And uh, more than not, if I'm able to get someone on the phone and they're in like a huge district and I can relocate them to a rural one, half the sale is, hey, it's, it's going to be smaller. It, you're yeah, going to have a, you know, more of a tight-knit <laughs> family feel. So I'm They're able to have less bureaucracy. That. That's one thing. I yeah. can tell you that much. Yeah. Oh, the you know the bigger you get, I mean, oh, you, oh, please, yeah. You're cutting through this red tape, yeah. to cut through the next red tape, to cut right. through the next red tape, and then you're back at the red tape that you cut the first time. So it's yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> tough, but um, we found a lot that it, money is not necessarily the driving force. Yes, it plays a massive role. Do I think teachers should be paid more? Yeah, my, yes, they should. Oh, of course, but. Um, at the same time, there are so many different aspects of that job that play a role in um, whether someone wants to be there or not. It, it's it, it's very involved. It's very cool. It's, it's hard to recruit people. It really is. I have I'm on your website as I mentioned. Okay, it's a nice yeah. website by the way, everybody. It's ProCareTherapy.com, <laughs> and they got a lot of information here. All right, and one of the things they have, I'm just looking at this list, is top school jobs which probably means these are where the biggest shortages are, I would think. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, am I right? But I don't, does that, that, I'm pretty sure that's yes, the category. Okay. Thank you. So, sorry. I, I want to go down this list. Speech language pathology is, is one of the hardest to find these days. Yes. As of right now, um, it a hundred percent is. It's, it's such a specialty wow. field um, where, where Good field. I do, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, okay. but what we've seen across the years is there's just less less individuals are going into speech language programs in college um, to then graduate and obviously be in the field where we can find them positions. So it's getting tougher and tougher to find, but they're also like that's the best one. That that's our bread and butter. Like SLP, wow, that's where that's we started. That was the that's first discipline that we really got into, and uh, that's we need to go after the toughest. Uh, positions to fill because that's where we can provide value to these school districts, and we understand that. Absolutely, okay. And I, I'm, this is real. This is very, very interesting to me. The other thing is, and I don't understand speech. A school occupational therapist. I know what an OT is. What's a CODA? C O T A. Yeah. CODA. So that yeah. So that is a uh, certified occupational therapist assistant. Ah, a CODA thank you. Is there. Thank you. They need to be supervised by the OT. 
Um, but they're they're there to help a lot with the daily activities as long as they have that supervision. They're not the person that gets to, you know, sign off any reports, IEPs, any things of like that, but they can help with the, you know, the daily items that an OT would 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 have to uh the duties that they would have to provide. Yeah, and let's just go down this list. I find it very interesting, and I found this one interesting. And, again, it's a shortage that always surprised me is school nursing. Oh, do we have enough school nurses these days? It's a little further down on the list, but I just – So that's one that – that's one that uh, – it's crazy. It really depends on – I think there's more of a need depending on where you're at uh, in the United States. It's, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I would like to maybe even dive a little bit deeper into that just because, like, growing up, I always I had a uh, in Tennessee I grew up I I went to school originally in Tennessee I, we had a school nurse in every like school building that I was in yeah then I moved yeah. to Georgia yeah. and it was like it was less prevalent like I didn't see it as much and then now being in this space it's like pockets of like the United States depending on where you go to school like they're like big and like hey we need to have a lot of either one on one nurses or we need to have a school yeah, nurse on, on site and then other schools you you don't necessarily need that and that might just be Based on the nurse, like uh, how many ner- can they post for a nurse, and can they may, they might have more nurses around them depending on the area they're in versus others, obviously. But I, I mean, it's always very like I've always been very interested in why do some schools have more of a need versus others, and obviously, pandemic twenty twenty came. Um, we were staffing a lot for school nurses just to you know test people for COVID coming into our te- like hold a monitor to. Uh, see what they're what's did someone have a fever did someone not like things of that nature so we saw a huge rush in the school nurse field within uh within our area just because they needed them then they're coming out of that obviously that actually developed a little bit you broke up a little bit at the end there will do you want to say what you just said just at the very end oh yeah sure i was just talking about how yeah so going into covid um there was a huge need for nurses across all school districts in the United States. They put a pivotal role in making sure that their staff was healthy, yeah. they were there, they were, yeah. were showing symptoms, things of that nature. Um, same with the, the their students, of course. So, right. But coming out of COVID, that ice cube has melted um, here recently. It's, it's just The whole thing is so interesting, and school districts weren't so many functions these days. So much more than I was a kid, if I may. All right. And I've got, I've got to tell you, it's so good we have companies like yours working with these school districts because they can't do it themselves. they got enough on their plates. Okay. Oh, no, they for just, sure. I'm... They can't find these people. And it's just so important you do this. Will, we're going to stay in touch a little bit, okay? I'm going to find out more about what you do and all that sort of stuff. So I will be yes, in sir. touch. Is that okay? Don't yes, call me sir. sir. You, become, you become very Southern. You're calling me sir. That's what my Southern friends always call me. <laughs> Right, that's true. All my, all everybody I talk to down south, and people are so polite down there, and it's it's ingrained into the southern culture. I'm always sir, okay, but I am not knighted. Call me Larry, okay? Fair enough. Yes, Larry, I I can do that. (laughs) Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, this is great to know you. Thank you so much. Good insights here. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Okay, we'll get we'll do more. I'll talk to you later. I'm losing you, Will. For some reason, it's breaking up. So thank you. Okay, bye bye. Sorry, I, I was hearing a click at the end. I, I, I lost. Okay, Will Redding, everybody's managing director of ProCare Therapy. It's linked here. We'll archive over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>